james.jubileechurchcoventry.org or faith in the office um, at office at jubileechurchcoventry.org. Great, that's the end of our notices. So now it just remains for me to hand it over to Simon Brown, um, who will be uh, preaching to us, um, uh, continuing our series, prioritising his presence. Over to you, Simon. Great, thanks ever so much, James, um, and Happy New Year to everyone watching, whether they're the few of you who are here at uh, Henry Fry this morning, or most of you who are watching at home. Uh, my name is Simon, and it's my uh, pleasure and privilege to be able to speak to you this morning, continuing our series on prioritising his presence. Now, just to give you a little glimpse of what's coming up, um, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at subjects such as silence and solitude, uh, prayer, fasting, the Sabbath, being a community together, all sorts of different things for us to kind of chew on and think about and explore and seek to apply. Today and next week, I'm going to be speaking on the subject of a lifestyle of simplicity. What does that mean? Well, we'll explore that in due course. One of the things that I want to talk, that I remember watching when I was a, when I was a growing up at home, was a sitcom in the 1980s called The Good Life. And uh, Toby will put up a little slide which will show you some pictures of The Good Life. Um, I think that uh, Tom and Barbara Good, who were the, uh, the focal point of this, maybe Chris and Claire Maney with their allotment, will be able to emulate their aspiration because the idea of this sitcom is that uh, Tom and Barbara opted to step away from the rat race of modern life and seek to become self-sufficient, not by getting an allotment, but by turning their garden and their house kind of into a farm, into an allotment in order to kind of grow their own food and step away from um, modern life. And this contrasted with their very well-to-do neighbours who were called Margot and Jerry, who were frankly appalled by their lifestyle. And there's lots of funny results and scenarios as you tend to find in a sitcom. Going off grid like this to you might sound very appealing because in the world in which we live, there are, is all sorts of things we have to navigate. There's lots of complexity, and this past year, more than any other, probably has exemplified that. Which tier am I in? What are the rules? When do I have to wear a face mask? Will the kids go to school? Will they not go to school? It's really complicated, the world in which we find ourselves at the moment. Added to that is the kind of the constant connection that we have. The number of times that me and myself or I've heard someone else say, oh, I'm zoomed out. I've had enough of Microsoft Teams or of this or of this because of our constant connection that we have virtually with others and through WhatsApp groups, as much of a blessing as that they are, you kind of go like, I've got 715 messages since three o'clock last yesterday afternoon. How am I supposed to keep up with all of them? We also have to deal with the kind of consumerism of the culture in which we live, whether that be the Black Friday sales or the Christmas sales or New Year or this latest offer that you find online, but where we're bombarded with the message of you need this and you need it now. Recently, Becky and I had some building work done in our kitchen and um, for the first time we were decided to buy a new sofa to go with it. So we looked online and in various other shops for that. 
Um, but then what I found as I was preparing for this talk, and Toby will put up the slide to do with this, is I was looking on Bible Gateway, the website to research some Bible verses, and as I glanced up to look at it, I found that I was being bombarded with sofas. Down the left-hand side and down the bottom, rather than me saying, oh, I was looking at verses to do with contentment and all these other things, but what was staring me in the face was, you need this sofa from Sophology. Forget about these Bible verses, it's this sofa that will satisfy everything. You can't get away from it, even when you're trying to read the Bible. Um, the, the, the fact that our society um, highlights convenience, and everything is so easy, demonstrates that. Just one click on your mouse and things will arrive at your door through Amazon Prime the very next day. It's easier than ever to buy stuff. And then you've got choice. We are there is so many things, so many products, so many choices that we have to make. You just go into the shops. When Becky and I came back from living in Cambodia, where we lived for four or five years, we remember, I remember for the first time going into Tesco Extra and just standing in front of the pasta aisle and being absolutely overwhelmed by the 500 choices of brands and different types of pasta that I had to choose from. I was just, I just want some pasta. And you have to choose between all of these other sorts of things. And it's not just in the shops, but your television programs, which series, um, or your, the videos that you can, you can watch, the leisure activities that we've got. Complexity, connection, consumerism, convenience, choice. Ah! All of that, I would say, in our lives leads to clutter cluttered homes, cluttered thinking, cluttered lives, and that sometimes our very souls can feel cluttered, full of things that we don't really need, don't really want, that can distract us from the things that really matter. And this is where the idea of simplicity, or its cousin called minimalism, comes in. And there's a lot of people that talk and write about this subject. I found one of them is a, a blogger and author called Joshua Becker. And uh, you can see he's written a number of best-selling books, such as the ones as you can see on the screen at the moment. And he, in, uh, on his blog, defines simplicity or minimalism as living with things you really need, removing anything that distracts us from living with intentionality and freedom. Which sounds pretty good. Sounds quite appealing. But there's a problem. As Joshua Becker, this, this author and blogger, himself admits, much of this kind of movement, the minimalist movement, focuses on externals, on organizing your life, organizing your home. And then he goes on, in one of his blogs, he says this. Um, he says, it doesn't take the next step of helping people find freedom and unity in their heart and soul. The Christian author Richard Foster, who's written a number of brilliant books, including a great one called Celebration of Discipline, says this very simply. He says, without an inner simplicity, all external efforts are in vain. Let me say that again. Without an inner simplicity, all external efforts are in vain. Now, the great thing for Christians is that when it comes to this inner simplicity, I think we might know someone who can help. And so let's have a little look at what Jesus has got to say about not just how to declutter our homes, but how to declutter our hearts. And uh, Claire and the kids referred to this earlier on. We're going to look at the, the parable of the sower, which might actually better be described as the parable of the soils. As you saw in the Family Fun video, Jesus tells this story of what happens when you get this seed that is scattered on four different types of soil. The path, the rocky ground, the thorny ground, and the good 
soil. And Jesus in uh, Mark chapter 4 goes on to explain what this parable means and how it talks about how different people respond to the seed of the word of God. And this is what it says in Mark 4 verse 14 and the verses will come up on the screen. It says the farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the cares of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth... And the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 60, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Wow. It's very clear from this story and parable and that's God's desire is that we're like this fourth type of soil. The good soil that hears, literally it means that hears and goes on hearing the word, accepts it and then applies in, uh, God's word into our lives, which results in brilliant fruitfulness, which is exactly what God our Father wants for us to have these wonderfully fruitful lives. But if you're anything like me, you probably recognize in your own life elements of these other three other types of soil, which are a bit less fruitful at the same time. So what we're going to do for the remaining uh, kind of five or ten minutes is have a look briefly at one of these types of soil, which is the thorny ground where the seed begins to grow. um, But it doesn't quite grow as it should because there's something else growing in the soil at the same time. In other words, there's some other clutter in the soil, and it's these thorns. And Jesus says that there are these three different types of thorns. The first of which is the cares of life. The cares of life. 2020, quite a lot to worry about, didn't it? Sickness, COVID, uncertainty, the future, your families, jobs, Brexit, the economy. Ah! Happy New Year, tier four. What's 2021 going to have in store for us? There's all sorts of cares of life that we live with. And as followers of Jesus, we are not immune from the cares or difficulties of life. We don't kind of ascend and sit on a cloud watching the difficulties of the world below. No, we live right through the middle of it. As Andrew is encouraging us, we pray for breakthrough. But often we have to deal with the fact that life is tough. Uh, I was, as I was preparing this talk, I was reflecting that one year ago, yesterday, I saw my sister for the last time. Um, and it was difficult when you begin hitting these sorts of anniversaries. We were in France. She had had uh, uh, cancer, which she'd been uh, fighting for three or four years. And I remember taking her to the hospital, said goodbye to her, kissed her. And as I walked out of the room, went, this is probably the last time that I ever see her. And then lots of tears and trying to pray and sing on the way home, but realizing that that's the reality that you face. And it brought, that, that, was, that was the end of three or four years where every time you receive a message or a text or a phone call, thinking, what's the news? What's it going to say? What's it going to say? The cares of life can be overwhelming and dominating in terms of the soil of our lives. But I know from my experience, 
that it's true that there is an alternative because we have access as believers to the peace of God. This is what it says in Philippians four very famous verses. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. God who's not far off, but God who is our father who loves us so much. And then here's the promise, the peace of God, which goes beyond, transcends all our understanding, will guard your heart, will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I know that my heart and my mind frequently need guarding. And that's where, as we come to Jesus, his peace can come, not to protect us from the cares of life, but to help us through the storms that we face. Why? Because he cares for us and loves us so much. So the first of these thorns is the cares of life. The second of them, it says, is the deceitfulness of wealth. Elsewhere, Jesus refers to money as a God, because this God makes promises to you. I will make you happy. More money and more stuff equals greater happiness. If you buy that sofa, it will complete you. Happiness, security, it promises for yourself, for your loved ones, both now and into the future. And freedom, freedom from fear, freedom from worry, free to do whatever you want. Happiness, security, freedom, no wonder Jesus refers to money as a God. Now these promises can lead us to make all sorts of decisions and prioritize all sorts of things which could end up cluttering our, lo our lives and our homes and often can leave us under pressure and ultimately unsatisfied because these are not true promises, they are empty ones. 2020 has shown us the devastating impact that a tiny little thing, microscopic little virus can have on the lives and the livelihoods of billions of people across our planet. And the financial impact of that, to be honest, is only beginning to be felt. Because money is deceitful, but there is an alternative. Instead of being seduced by the deceitfulness of more, in the simplicity of following Jesus, we can basically trust in God's provision. Same chapter in Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes this, My God will supply some, no. My God will supply all of your needs, not all your wants and your wishes, but all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Our God knows what we need because he loves us. And he will meet all of our needs because he's very rich. The earth and everything in it, including our very lives, belong to him. So we've, had, we've talked about the cares of life, the deceitfulness of wealth. And the third thorn that Jesus describes is almost the miscellaneous category. The desire for other things. Jesus leaves it really open-ended. Basically, anything else, anything else you want. Here's just a little question to, for you to reflect on. Just, just I'll pause for a second and reflect on this. What is it that you want? Just think about that for a second. In 2021, what is it that you want? Now, for lots of us, we might go, oh, I just want to hug someone again or whatever else. But ultimately, in your life, 
hugging someone is great, but then it's probably not our aspiration in life, isn't it? It's not our goal in life just to be hugged or whatever. What is it that you're looking for in life? Is it approval from other people? Is it a comfortable, easy life? A nice holiday? Finding a partner? Having children? Having time away from your children? Buying a new house, bigger car, nicer phone, having a successful fantasy football team, just some toilet paper. You know, what, what is it that you what, fill in the blank for yourself? Each of us are different. Um, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, um, Paul writes that God has created all things richly for us to enjoy. The Bible doesn't call us to kind of renounce other things and material things because God loves to bless us. But we are to put them in the right perspective. Because when good things and other things become ultimate things, things in which we find our fulfillment, find our satisfaction, that we think, well, I can't possibly live without that. Then they become thorns, according to what Jesus is teaching us here. But there is an alternative. Instead of looking for fulfillment in other things, Jesus invites us to seek first God's priorities and to enjoy his presence. Seek first, says Jesus, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else will be added to you. But you seek first God's kingdom, his righteousness. It's a very, very simple message that Jesus gives to us. But interestingly, it's far less simple to put into practice. This year, so much has been stripped away, hasn't it? And in times like this, God often uses this sort of time to reorientate us, to whisper his love and purposes afresh for his people, but also to the world around us. And so as we start a new year, it's appropriate to ask ourselves this question, what is it that we really want? What is it that we really want to live for? Jesus does not promise us a simple life. But he does call us to live simply. And next week we'll explore more practically of what does that mean. But as Richard Foster in that quote said earlier on, without an inward simplicity, all of the externals that we might think about or, or try and apply and talk about really are a waste of time. We need to know him and his love. Put him first. Trust him, knowing his peace, casting our anxieties on him. Because he cares for us. So as we finish today, I wonder which of those thorns do you recognize maybe is present to a greater or lesser extent in your own life today? Is your heart a bit cluttered by the cares of life or the deceitfulness of riches or the desire for other things? Or instead, do you think, actually, Father, I want to know your peace. I want to trust your provision. I want to seek first your priorities and your presence. I'm going to very quickly pray and then hand back to James. Father, we, as we start this year, we just say, Lord, would you help us to put you first? It's very simple. God, we don't want to have organized beautifully uh, our homes, but have our hearts cluttered up with stuff that actually means that we are not fruitful. And so, Father, we pray, help us. Help us this year. Lord, to come and bring our cares to you, to come and trust you for all that you give and say, Lord, we want to put your kingdom and your, your presence above our desire for other stuff. 
Lord, we pray, help us and be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.